0: This is Shannon Ray Davis, and you are listening to Omega Man Radio. Welcome to my world, the world of the Omega Man. Join us here for the nightly marathon, broadcasting Monday through Friday. Get trained up. More on the Saints is coming. You want to be an overcomer and endure till the end. We will teach you how. We cast on devils. We command healing to the sick in Jesus' name. And we preach the full gospel of Jesus Christ to win souls for Jesus. If you'd like to support this work financially, we have a PayPal button on our website. We have GoFundMe, Zelly, even take Bitcoin. And we thank you in advance for partnering with us. Our website is omegamanradio.com One more thing before we start tonight's show. To the demons tune in, we're coming for you, demon. No demon is safe.
1: Grab your coffee and strap yourself in. If you listen, you can hear God's plan. Because the show is about to begin. You're listening. You're listening to the Omega Man Radio Network.
0: And a quick announcement. Folks, we're back on YouTube. This will be my eighth attempt. And not all shows are going to be able to go on there. But the ones that will clear the censorship, I will be uploading. So go to my website, you'll find a link to the new YouTube channel, and hope that you'll subscribe to it and follow some of our programs there. Okay, Brother Ron, welcome back. How you all doing tonight?
1: Good, we're doing well. Tonight's the 19th of February, and uh, can we do that YouTube on video one night?
0: I don't have video capability yet for a live stream, uh, so what I'm doing is I'm taking the MP3 and putting a static photo up there <clears throat> and uploading to tell you the truth, in terms of a live video stream, um, we, we need to bring that back. Let me get to work on that. Um, I don't have any takers in terms of people that want to do live video, uh, with the exception of you. Look,
1: so I, I find people will, hang, will come across it and will stop to watch it.
0: I think it's worth uh, a try. Let's do it. I'll work on it. Very good. I think Sorry. I'll have to set up with StreamYard again. Okay, let me write that down and I'll put my brain to work on that. The Lord will help out. I gotta call that
1: guy from StreamYard Also, I gotta get back to him. Okay. Kevin, that was his name, Kevin. Okay. Well, thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this time tonight. Lord, I thank you for your wonderful presence. I thank you that the anointing abides in your word. Remember, Jesus is the word made flesh. Jesus is anointed, he's the word, the word is anointed, and we need to understand that anointing abides in the word. So whenever that word is declared in faith, whenever the word is declared the anointing goes forth. So Lord, as we receive your word in our heart, not just our mind, in our heart, then um then we receive the anointing that's embedded in it. So, Lord, I thank you again. Did you want to sit or what do you want to have? I wanted to sit there. Well, here. Hold, hold on a sec, Shannon. Let me get her chair. Back here, back here.
0: Welcome aboard, Sister Miriam. And everybody, just tune in.
1: I received that. We missed seeing
0: you, Shannon. Oh, well, I tell you what. I'm overdue to send you some photos. I've got a fr- couple fresh ones. Narita, thankfully, has been taking a lot of good photos. And, uh, oh, by the way, Jeremiah just cut a uh, a TV commercial last week. I was surprised. Mm. He got an offer really? to um, appear with many other kids, it wasn't just a solo part, in a Colgate commercial. And so um, I'm proud of him. He's doing a pretty good job.
1: Excellente. Okay, I have something interesting tomorrow morning. Uh, I've been in contact with uh, originally a, one uh, little ministry in Pakistan, in Fazilabad, just doing street work with kids. And I helped them out, Oh, one one month, a couple years ago now. And they must have told another ministry and told another ministry. And then they found something online. And I've got 12 of these young people. They're all in their mid-20s. 12 of these young people in Pakistan, Fazilbad, that are all doing the work. They're all out on the streets, um, and such. But, um, we're challenged. They're challenged because they all have a need. They all need finances and such. And I'm not in the place to be able to take care of 12 ministries there. We still have ours in Rwanda and, Haiti, and in Haiti. Um, and I said, God's got to have a better way. You know, it says in Second uh, Peter one three, God has provided everything we need for, for life, life and, and godliness. Godly. God's provided for all of these ministries all over, but we not just we've got to find what His provision is. Well, I felt for young people, it would be great for them to start a business. They're young, they're strong, their hands, they're able um because it's kind of like i can feed you or give you a fish and feed you a meal or i can teach you how to fish and feed you a lifetime and so i thought well we need to teach these young people how to receive god's provision in the lord um, um not then. just not just going on the internet and calling people all over the world trying to get some finances I mean, that works for a while, but it's not going to be the best for them. So anyway, tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. my time, I'm doing a Zoom call, and I invited all 12 of them to come on together. Now, they don't know each other. Uh, Maybe one or two do, but all of them to come on and start to teach a little bit on God's provision and how to receive and how to seek for something better in God for their lives and for their people. So boy, if they can get together and, uh, you know, I'd rather take a collection and buy one of them a sewing machine. One of them, one of them did say, uh, they, they're a seamster. Buy them a sewing machine. Buy them a cucumber that they can split in half and sell two halves for more than the one. Um, you know, that's what we did in India in some places. Just give them enough money to buy some vegetables and, sell them. So anyway, I think uh, I think uh, the Lord would be in that. We'll see tomorrow. I'll let you know how that goes. Great. But We, we would appreciate your prayers for uh, us and with us. Amen. Okay. Well, let us begin in the Word. We're going to go uh, into Hebrews again. And uh, we'll probably get up to Hebrews chapter five tonight. Um, I want to just open up again with John 129. I'll go back and forth here in the English and with some Greek and with a couple translations that we have, uh, starting many though with our King James, New King James. So John 129. And again, we need to get outside of the box. We have been so trained with religious thinking of many of these verses that it's hard for us to see that maybe God was speaking something even greater to us in the midst of it. So the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, that's our normal translation of it, but if you go into the Greek, and uh, into the mirror Bible, it says, come on, Ron, where are we? John 29. Oh. The next day, John saw Jesus approaching him and declared. Now, declared in Greek is a stronger word, a stronger Greek word than just said. He didn't just say, he declared it forth, um, proclaimed it. Behold the Lamb of God, this is the one who would lift the sin of the cosmos like an anchor from the seafloor for mankind to sail free. So he declared, Behold, this is the Lamb of God, Jesus, the one who would lift the sin of the cosmos to lift off, take upon himself the sin of the cosmos. And again, the word cosmos means um, the the universes, the eons, the places. He would take off the sin of the cosmos, the worlds, like an anchor from the seafloor. Well, I one time had a little boat, not long ago, not very big, but uh was on the intercoastal, the... Uh, Currents are very strong and whenever I would stop, maybe to fish or something, I would have to throw down the anchor. And the moment you would lift the anchor, the boat then would get caught into the current. What he's saying here is sin has been an anchor that's kept people locked to the seafloor to keep them from sailing free. But Jesus took sin upon himself so that we can set free into the current of the Spirit of God. So again, we need to see then what Jesus has done. As we go into the book of Hebrews, we think that Hebrews is written to the Messianic Jewish congregations, and it was, but it's going to be a book about the law, about the Torah, about sacrifices, but it's not. The first three verses, we open right up to what is the book of Hebrews about. And it said, God, who at various times and in different ways spoke in time past to the prophets by the prophets. So time past in the Old Testament, God spoke by prophets. We've got the major prophets, the minor prophets, and others in between. But he has now these last days spoken to us by Son, through his Son, by Son, who he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. There it is, the cosmos, the ages, the aeons, the eons, who Jesus, being the brightness of God's glory, And the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself, hypostasis purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. He's God's glory expressed in a person and upholding all things. He's the express image of God, upholding all things by the word of his power, excusia, when he had by himself purged, cleansed, eradicated our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So Jesus is sitting down at the right hand of the Father in the heavenlies. But who, Miriam, is sitting down there with him? Me. You are. We are. Yes. Because it says we are in him also seated in heavenly places. And Shannon is. too. Amen. (laughs) So when, when Jesus died, we died in him. When he rose, we rose with him and in him. And as he has seated in heavenly places, we are seated in heavenly places. So that's the opening of the book of Hebrews, talking about Jesus, the glorious manifestation of the Father. So let's see what else then we're going to see. We can go down to verse 5, and now it talks in the Hebrews uh, chapter 5, verse 5, that you are my son, today I have begotten you. Which of the angels did he ever say that? No. And I will be to him a father, and he shall be a son. Let the angels of God worship him. And then it says, who makes his angels spirits, and his ministers a flame of fire. I don't think God ever called the angels his sons. No. no. But, but who does he call his sons? Us. Us. <laughs> we are sons of God, small oh, yeah, s. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, those who are led by mm-hmm. the spirit of God are sons of God. So I proclaim that we are being led by God's spirits. We are his sons, small s. Now, to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand, till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation? Well, that word salvation there, sozo, heirs of your full, complete salvation. That's not just your beginning salvation when you receive the Lord, but your whole walk in your life. You're walking out your salvation. They're not ministering spirits sent to us. And uh, we have these spirits, these angels all around us, and they're all waiting to be assigned a job. Now, they'll do anything that you need in life as long as you ask them according to the word of God. They hearken to the word. So they're not going to do something outside of God's word or God's will. But we need more than ever, I need, we need these angels to help us complete our assignment because there's more and more, strong negative force against us, demonic forces that are there to keep us from fulfilling the calling, the purposes that God has placed within us, even from the foundations of the world. Now we go into chapter 2, and uh, therefore then we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through the angels prove steadfast in every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? So I want to skip down to, uh, verse 14 here. And it says, inasmuch then as the ang- as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, likewise, it's Jesus, shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Now, then, as children have partaken of flesh and blood, he, Jesus himself, shared the same, he came in a human body that through death, his death, he might destroy him who had the power of death that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed, he does not give aid to the angels, but he gives aid to the seed of Abraham. And that's that's all of us. That's right. Every believer is of the seed of Abraham. Mm -hmm. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, propitiation to become the supreme sacrifice for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid all of those then who are also tempted. Now again, in verse uh, uh, 14, it said that he might destroy him, and he did that, who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released those whom the fear of death are now set free I'll read that in, I'll read that in the mirror Bible Amen. in 2.14 being one with the children of God presupposes the fact that he lived and died in a body exactly like theirs being as fully human as we are he is qualified to remove the dominion of death that was introduced as a result of Adam's fall. And as a fellow human, he redefined death and delivered them from the lifelong dread of death. This is why it is so relevant to understand that Jesus did not arrive on this planet in an angelic form. He embraced the seed of Abraham. I know there are different cults and groups that said that Jesus was incarnate, but he was actually an angel. Well, he didn't incarnate in an angelic form. He incarnated in the womb of Mary as a human. A baby. A baby, yes. Okay, chapter 3, in verse 1. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him, the Father, who appointed him as Moses was also faithful in all his house. For this one, Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. And every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God the Father. Now, indeed, Moses was faithful in all his houses, a servant for a testimony of those things who would be spoken afterwards, but Christ is a son over his own house, whose house we are. If we hold fast to confidence, whose house we are. We are the house, we are the temple of the Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit dwells within every one of us. And if he dwells within you, you are a house. You are a building, you are a temple of God. and uh, and rejoicing. Now, therefore, verse 7, as the Holy Spirit says today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion in the day of the trial in the wilderness where your fathers tested me and proved me and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation. They always go astray in their heart. And if they had known my ways, I swore my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the teaching tonight, going up into chapter 5, is entering the rest of God. And what does that mean for us, and how do we do it? Now, it says that they always go astray in their hearts. It doesn't say they go astray in their minds. You know, I remember when I pastored years ago, people would pray and call and say, you know, I've I've got all these bad thoughts, and I'm sinning in my mind, and, uh, you know, am I going to go to hell? And I said, no, it's not a question of your mind, of thoughts, it's a question of heart. For with the heart, man believes. It's not with your mind and your thoughts. We all have thoughts that go through our mind. Sometimes we have good thoughts or bad thoughts and things. What do you do with a bad thought? You take captive of the thought and you give it to God. But we are talking about heart issues tonight because we enter the rest of God through our heart, not our mind. Now, beware, brethren, lest there be any in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God, the sin nature, an evil heart of unbelief. We see in you know in some. Uh, I don't know if it's in and Mother's they kind of chronologize uh, um, sins and the worst sin and the and the uh, and a better sin. I don't know. I think all sin is sin, but the sin. Is the sin of unbelief? Unbelief is what will co- God will give? Call you an evil heart? Now departing from the living God, so exhort, encourage one another daily, while it is still called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. So encourage one another daily. So, Shannon, I just want to encourage everyone that's listening to this to really open up and receive in your heart. Come out of religious traditions of things that you have heard and said. You know, you are not a sinner. You're not a worm crawling in the ground. You know, you are a son of God. Sin has been removed off of you by the works of Jesus. By his work, not ours, sin has been removed off of you. You are not just human, you are now a new creation in Christ, able to fulfill all that God has called you today. So, today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Now, God is always the God of today. Today. God lives outside of time, and when we are in him and in the spirit, we are outside of earthly time. It doesn't say God is not the God of tomorrow, the God of yesterday. He is always in the today. Now faith is, faith is now the substance of things hoped for, always in the today. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence to the end, steadfast to the end, our confidence in him. Now so it said then, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Harden your heart, though that is through then unbelief. For who, having heard, rebelled? And who, indeed, who was called out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? You know, of all those that came out of Egypt, anywhere between two and a half million up to six million, including women and children, every one of them died in the wilderness, except for two, Joshua and Caleb. Caleb. Joshua, and they're the only two that made it through because they were the only two that believed God, believed in what he said. Now, my eyes are getting clear here. So that they could not enter in Because of unbelief, whose corpses fell in the wilderness, and whom he swore they would not enter his rest, but those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter his rest because of unbelief. They didn't believe the promises of God. They didn't believe what God had said to them, said that they could do, said that they were able to do. You know, he tells us that we can take dominion over our land, over the areas we are on. He's calling us to rise up and take authority. And, you know, we can can doubt that. We can say, well, he's not really talking to me. You know, it must be somebody else. I'm not able to do that. Well, that's called unbelief. We're unbelieving. We're not believing in what God said we can do and who we are in him. And in many ways, God is looking for a champion in this generation. Young champions, older champions, he's, he's looking for people that would receive his word and would, uh, would believe it. Take it and act on it. So now, I get my glasses cleaned here. We go to chapter 4. So therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, least any of you seem to have come short, come short of entering his rest. We are all called to enter God's rest. And what that means is to rest from doing our works and to believe on, to rely on, to trust on his works that he has done. So again, we have to come out of the place of believing in any manner in our works. That if you pray more, you fast more, you give more, you do more, that's going to get you closer to God, more accepted to, by God. You have already been accepted. It says that in Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> you have already been accepted in the beloved. There's nothing more you have to do to get accepted. You already are just by receiving him, by receiving Jesus. Jesus. So, for indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, (coughs) but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. Not being mixed in faith. For we who have believed do enter that rest. For he said so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. What a big statement there. We don't hear much talk like that. But the works of God were finished before the foundations of the world. They were already done in him. And then Jesus carried it, acted it out. Can you throw little
0: line?
1: I can't get to it. Sorry for that other phone ringing in the back there. That's okay. No problem. It's a spam. Oh, man. So, that the works were finished from the foundations of the world. So God had already prepared everything in advance before he even created this earth realm, before he created the heavens, the sun, the moon, the stars, the plants, the animals, humans. He already had completed his work. From the foundations of the world, they were finished then Jesus carried that out and then his final words on the cross was it is finished. That means it has been completed. The works of God was done. And so Jesus says all we have to do by faith is to believe in what he has already done. There's nothing more that we have to do you know some would say oh, no. wait a second shit
0: <laughs> Welcome aboard everybody if you just joined again we're live with Dr Ron and Miriam Cohen Today is February 19th 2024
1: Welcome okay. aboard So again what it's saying in this verse we are to believe on We are to receive trust on what Jesus has done, his finished works from the foundations of the world. We're not to believe on and to rest on our works. There's nothing more we can do that we have to do. We only believe to trust on you know, and I believe it says that um, in, in John uh, 15, where Jesus said, just believe on him. Believe on him. Believe on him whom God has sent. You know, if we take that very literally, Shannon, it's simple then. There's nothing more you have to do. All we have to do is believe on and trust on and rest on what Jesus has done. And if we do that, we are finished with our works and we enter into his rest. And God wants all of us to live out of, to work out of his rest. Now, that doesn't mean passivity, that doesn't mean sleeping, that doesn't mean lying on, on your sofa or your chair. It means means working out of, living out of what he has already done. So, if he has already destroyed the works of the devil, then we don't have to destroy it, we just have to enforce what Jesus has already done. If Jesus has already provided everything we need, we don't have to go searching for some provision. We need to receive what he has already done for us. Mm, these are big thoughts, Shannon. They change how so much, so much ministry operates, how so many people try to live out of their own doings, their own works, and that uh, even trying to work up faith. And that all it is is leaning on, relying on what Jesus has done, believing what God says he has done. So healing, by his stripes you have already been healed, so already have been healed. There's nothing more we have to do except to believe and receive that. Amen. And we receive it by faith. Without doubting, without any area of our mind, you know, of our thoughts getting in the way. We just receive it. Well, now, that's how a child operates. And that's why we're to become like children in so many ways in this. Well, dad said it. I believe it. He said he's going to take care of me tomorrow. I believe it. Why should I be worried and anxious about tomorrow? God said he's going, you know, my dad said he's got it taken care of. So the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place on the seventh day in this way, God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, he said, then they shall not enter my rest because they did not believe that I rested from my works now since therefore it remains that some may enter in and those whom it was first preached did not enter in because of disobedience what was the disobedience they did not believe what God had said and again he designates a certain day saying in David today after such a long time as it has been today a new day if you will hear his voice do not harden your heart. Again, it's a heart issue. Now, if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterwards have spoken of another day. But now there remains a rest, a Shabbat, a Sabbath, for the people of God, a full rest. For he who has entered his rest now, this is a big verse, chapter, verse 10 here, uh, 410. And this is for any of us, for any of us, all of us, who enter his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. So, Lord, again, I lift up everyone listening. And, Lord, this is only going to be by revelation in the spirit for you to see or understand what are your works that God wants you to rest from. Well, is feeding the poor or doing visiting orphans or taking care of, uh, of widows and such? Well, no, that's, that's not works that God wants you to cease from. Those are the fruit of being saved, being in God. But we are to Cease from our works, our abilities of salvation and receive completely what he has done. Boy, I don't know how I can more clearly make this be said. Let me see what it says in the mirror here. I've, I've, I've caught this. In, in my spirit, before I've, I've seen it, you know, I've seen it now. So here it is, uh, in in the in the Mirror Bible four nine, the conclusion is clear. The original rest is still in place for God's people. Mm-hmm. The rest that is being talked about is still there for all of us to enter into. God's rest celebrates his finished work. Whoever enters into God's rest immediately abandons his own efforts to improve what God has already perfected. So whoever enters into God's rest immediately abandons his own efforts to try to improve or do anything more in what God has already perfected. So let us therefore be prompt to understand and fully appreciate that rest and not fall again into the same trap that snared Israel in unbelief. Unbelief in not believing the word of God. Therefore let us be diligent to enter his rest be diligent. So, Lord, I ask, Father, that you would help us all to see and understand. So, Lord, I want to abandon my works. Amen. Amen. You know, and Shannon, so many ministries are exhausted by the time there's our age of trying to do, trying to enter into. When God says, abandon your own works, Abandon your own and just believe in what he has done. Least anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. Now, Hebrews 4.12 is a very famous verse. Many people quote it. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, discerner of the thoughts and the intent of the heart. Now, not the mind, but the thoughts and intents of the heart. So the word of God is living, it's alive, it's powerful, it's sharp. It's able to divide between joints and marrow, soul and spirit to show you, it's able to divide between your works and God's works to show the difference. In the uh, mirror here, it says, the message God spoke to us in Christ is the most life-giving and dynamic influence in us, cutting like a surgeon's scalpel, sharper than a soldier's sword piercing to the deepest core of human conscience, to the dividing of soul and spirit, ending the dominance of the sense realm and its neutralizing effect upon the human spirit. What's it saying there? Ending the dominance of the soul of the sense realm the dominance of living by your senses, what you see, what you hear, what you feel, what you taste, what you smell, the dominance of the sense realm, neutralizing its effect upon the human spirit. For you are to walk by faith and not by sight, not by your senses. You're not going to accomplish this rest in God or much of anything in God through your physical senses. And your senses physically are dominant. They try to dominate you. But you need to then discern between soul and spirit. Lord, what am I feeling now? Is this of you or is this of my own self? Because the sense realm will neutralize. <laughs> you know, what's another word for neutral? It will neutralize its effect upon the human spirit. Hmm. In this way, a person's spirit then is freed to become the ruling influence again in your life. Your spirit now is free to lead you in your thoughts and intentions of your heart. Your spirit is able to rise up now. You are to be led by the spirit of God, not your soul, not your senses, not what you feel, not what you think. But what does God say? To be led again with the thoughts and intentions of your heart. You're free to do this now. Jesus took sin off the whole cosmos. He lifted it up. He lifted up like a boat anchor to set you free to sail. Other other, uh, um, analogies there is like an eagle. You are now free to rise up high in God. So the scrutiny of this living sword logos detects every possible disease, discerning the body's deepest secrets where joint and marrow meet. Joints and marrow, that's where the bones connect, the skeleton, the flesh, meet. Mm -mm. And when you are living then in this realm of the spirit, it will detect every possible disease that would try to come upon you. The entire person is thoroughly exposed to his scrutinizing gaze. In the message of the incarnation, we have Jesus, the son of God, representing mankind in the highest place of spiritual authority. That which God has spoken to us in him is his final word. It is echoed now in our conversation. As high priest, he, Jesus, fully identifies with us in the context of our frail human lives. Having subjected it to close scrutiny, he approved, he proved that the human frame has master over sin. Because he was fully human and had master over sin. His sympathy with us is not to be seen as excusing weaknesses which are the result of a faulty design but rather as a trophy for mankind, to mankind. So this is a big statement here to get our head around here. Jesus is not an example for us, but he is an example of us. He's not an example of how we are to live. He is an example of who we are really in God as a son. And Hebrews 4.16, again a famous verse, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain grace and mercy to help us and to find grace to help us in our time of need. For this reason, we can approach the authoritative throne of grace with bold utterance. We are welcomed there in his embrace and are reinforced with immediate effort in times of trouble. We are reinforced with immediate effort in times of trouble. In his incarnate human body, Jesus represents us on the deepest possible level of every detail of our lives, spirit, soul, and body. He victoriously faced every onslaught and scrutiny that we could ever possibly encounter. Jesus faced every possible slaughter and onslaught and scrutiny of everything and anything that we would ever encounter, he already encountered it. So let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. I think I shared about a month ago, Shannon, the uh, the three mysterios that Paul had, his mystery that God revealed to him. And one, that we are a new creation in Christ, that it includes Jews and Gentiles. And three, we can boldly come into the presence of the Father. This was unheard of in the Old Testament, unheard of in an Old Testament temple. That one can boldly just sneak into the holy of holies without fear of death. But because Jesus took the wrath of God upon himself, he took that upon himself. He opened up and made a way. He is a door that every one of us tonight listening can come boldly into the throne of grace before the Father, and we will obtain grace and mercy to help us in our time of need. You know, we did this teaching last night on our Sunday night program, and, you know, I know everyone that's on that program fairly personally, and I know almost every one of them have a great need, either for healing Ministry, finances, family, children, and everyone can come boldly before the throne of grace. Even every one of you listening now, because I know every most almost every one of you have a need in your life, and you're in need you need God's grace and mercy upon you. And you can come boldly now because of what Jesus has done. So now we're back to it again. Believe on what Jesus has done. Not on your own works in any fashion. Believe on what Jesus has done and boldly approach the Father tonight and receive grace and mercy to help you in your time of need. So Lord, I do lift up everyone listening. Lord, for Mary myself, Shannon, and the audience, I lift them all up before you. That we can boldly enter by the blood of Jesus, the holy of holies, the holiest place, the throne, the grace of God and receive. Lord, I can approach you, my father, tonight as a father. And receive grace and mercy to help me in my time of need. Lord, pour your grace and mercy upon me. I need it tonight. And upon those listening, Lord, for provision, Lord, for healing in their bodies, for deliverance, Lord, for work problems, for family problems, for issues in life. Lord, pour out your grace. And Lord, tonight, I declare that we rest in your finished work and not in our finished works, and our works in any way. Lord, I rest, I rely on, I trust on your finished work. Amen and amen. What God has done through his son, Jesus. We rest in that tonight, and henceforth, and so we enter into God's rest. And not our own. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, amen. That just takes us to the end of chapter four. We've got uh, um, thirteen chapters, where well, we have nine more chapters yet to go. So we'll see what God has for us in the future. Great work, but Shannon. It's real deep stuff.
0: Yes, here sure it is.
1: And to rest in God's works and what He has done. That's all it is. It's an issue of heart to do that, though. It's an issue of heart. And trust. And trust and believing. Belief. Believing on what God has done.
0: Well, you know, uh, this is very important for for us all to latch on to because Revelation 21, verse 8, says, But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is a second death. So this is not only missing out on the promises of God now but it can cost us our eternity. God doesn't take too kindly to being fearful and operating in doubt and unbelief. Look at doubt and unbelief killed over killed millions in the deserts of Sinai that did not trust God and enter into the promised land because of their doubt and unbelief jesus could not do many, many mighty miracles in some places because of doubt and unbelief and i've i've operated in it and i still do at times and i'm saying Lord, Chad, how
1: about the generation right before us if any of them did you know we've inherited In a sense where they were at. Yeah, sure. So here we are trying to accomplish in Christ everything that they never did in their generation. I've thought about that. I I want us to get this right so that we leave our kids, our generation and our grandkids, our generation we live in, leave them in a better place than what we inherited. Absolutely. And I'm talking about in the Spirit of God, Absolutely. not in the natural. I mean, we see what's happening in the natural realm and the chaos in the world. I'm not talking about leaving that. I'm talking about leaving the maturity in the realm of the Spirit that we are gaining in God as sons, to the next generation.
0: Well speaking of the next generation, that brings up a an interesting topic. Um, are you do you know a lady named Janie Duval who was a producer for Sid Roth? You probably uh-huh. met her at one time.
1: Uh-huh. I remember Janie, sure.
0: Okay. I think she worked with Sid Roth, let's just say twenty five plus years. Long time. And she's got yeah. her own YouTube channel now. She has and her a husband very is
1: still there with Sid.
0: Oh okay. I only know her Uh, by uh, some of the videos I saw with her in the background. But anyway, I I found her YouTube channel and she has some interesting guests on. She's had a guy on named Mark Biltz and he did a book a number of years ago about the the moons and he's got a book coming out where he's talking about God's calendar of reckoning in the Shemitah cycles. Shemitah. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Now, I'm not going to try to regurgitate the whole thing, but I posted it on my Facebook wall, and it's worth everybody looking into. He lays out a case that God does everything according to, according to his appointed times. And it's not uh, the Western Julian or Gregorian calendars. It's his own agricultural calendar, you know, based on the abib of the barley, right? And Shemitah right. cycles. And Mark, in this presentation, he's got a book coming out soon. I encourage people to get it. He says the next window, according to his reckoning, that the tribulation could even start would be probably around 2030. He said it's according to Shemitah cycles. And I was thinking about that. You know, since I have uh, been in Christ, going back into the 70s, even I remember we were always thinking the Lord could come back this year. You know, the book Mary, St- Mary Stuart Relfy, When Your Money Fells.
1: Yeah,
0: I've been a student of Bible prophecy, uh, you know, as far back as I can remember, forty years, and uh, more than that. And it's it's a good thing to be ready to meet Jesus at all times. No question about that, because we could die at any time. But my grandfather used to say, "Be ready to meet Jesus if you die tonight, but work as though he's not coming back for another hundred years." And it really got me thinking: What if, for example, Mark is right, and the next window of opportunity? for the Lord to return, according to Shemitah cycles, would be 2030. And that's just the beginning of the tribulation, he said. Now, he's not saying, thus saith God, but according to God's reckoning of time, God works according to cycles. So I got thinking about that, you know. As bad as it looks now, COP28, you know, all these cabals that are meeting, all the, uh, the agenda 2030, all this stuff, right? Um, What if the Lord doesn't return for a couple decades? I mean, he's saying that's the earliest window. Now, it may seem like uh, a long time to you and I when, you know, the lifespan is no more than 120 typically, right? We're blessed if we make it to 70. If you make it to 80, that's gravy. Beyond that, you know, that's just a real blessing. So one day to God is a thousand years to man. What if God chose not to come back for 50 years? What if you, Miriam, me, were all dead by the time the Lord comes back? their generations that have got to keep going. And you're right about mm-hmm. that. Uh, we've got to train the next generation up. Look, I've got three babies here in this house. I've received prophetic words for them. Now if the person heard from the Lord, they're going to have to be much older before the Lord starts using them. And I just got thinking, what if we got 20 more years? It really changes your Uh, your way of thinking from maybe some that were alive in Paul's time thinking the return of the Lord was imminent. They had stopped working. They were being busybodies. They basically said, hey, time's up. Christ is coming back. And Paul rebuked him and said certain Mm -hmm. things have to happen before he can return. That time is not yet. Now that was 2,000 years ago. It probably seemed in their time as it seems today the Lord could come back any time. And there's people that will basically Stop doing anything. They think I don't need to go to school. We won't be here. Uh, I don't need to worry about paying my bills. I'm just going to go out and max out my cards. The Lord, the rapture will take place before I have to pay that bill. I think I may have told you a story in '87. You know, we were looking back then. The '88 reasons why the Lord could come back in '88. And uh, yeah, I was working as a used car salesman at 18, right after I got out of high school, and I thought, man, I'd like to have that Ford Probe GT. It's $440 a month now I didn't make enough for those car payments and I went out and test drove it had one of the guys I worked with let me test drive it and I was about to walk in there and sign a contract because I thought the Lord would be back in the next six months I won't have to pay for it I'm glad I didn't do that and you know there were people that sold their homes and did all kinds of crazy things thinking the Lord was coming back in 88 and they failed miserably we don't know Mm -hmm. when the Lord comes back only God does We know the times and the seasons, but we don't know the date or the hour. And it's not even possible because of God's calendar of time, right? The new year changes from year to year, right? Unlike January 1. So what I'm saying with all that I've said, I'll throw it back to you, is we don't know when Christ is coming back. We know the signs, but it may not be when people think it is. And so if you're disengaging and you think, well, no reason to get started in the ministry, no reason to build an orphanage, no reason to do this or that, no reason to educate myself. You could be in for a rude awakening when it doesn't happen when you thought it happened because I thought it was happening in 88. We thought it was happening in 78. I thought it was happening in 2000. I thought it was happening in 2005. I thought it was happening when they had the collapse in 2008. I thought it was going to happen again when Obama was in office, and it didn't happen and you know what? I may I may not ever see live to see it happen, but my kids probably will. So it's time to occupy because Christ is going to come also, back. And if you find, you have
1: seen it happen yes. that the Spirit of Christ has come on millions of believers.
0: I I know he's coming back. Um, I don't want to be one of those that says, you know, look, uh, he's not coming back, so let's just drink and be live and be merry. No.
1: We have the parable of the master
0: that went away, and he was gone a long time, and he came back and found his servants gallivanting, and it didn't turn out well for Mm -hmm. them. I'm saying occupy till Christ comes, and we may not see him come back in our lifetime. I just don't know. But I'm not going to knee-jerk and, you know, bunker down and bite my nails and say, Klaus Schwab's You know, going to destroy everything that I would like to do, so why even try? We just don't know that. I'm actually operating on a new mandate. Next window of opportunity for the Lord to return, probably 2030, so I've got at least seven years. Now, in his presentation, he also talked about an attack coming on America 2024 to 2026. So, let me temper the message with also the fact we could see radical earth changes, we could be in World War III. We could see a nuclear exchange. We could be under martial law. Plagues, earthquakes, you name it could happen. I don't deny any of that. You know, horrible things could happen to our country of America. But I think it's a rallying call that we may have more time than we think. At, my, at my grandmother's funeral in 2011, two of the brightest people I know in the ministry were my grandfather and his brother, Uncle Johnny. They had went into the ministry in the fifty, in like fifty five, original pioneers. Granddad just went home to be with the Lord about two years ago, at age ninety. And I heard them having a conversation, and it was like being there. If I could have sat in on Moses and Aaron, I literally saw the anointing of God on them, and it was kind of, it was, uh, it was freaky. I mean, it was awesome, and they were having a conversation. My great uncle Johnny said to my granddad, "You know Sylvan." this thing may drag out excruciatingly slow and painful. And that was 2011. I thought the Lord might even be coming back imminently then. And look, that's 13 years ago. And I think Uncle Johnny was being prophetic. This thing may drag out. So what are we going to do? Are we going to get to so Sharon, the end and we find my, out that we wasted our time? Back over to you.
1: Yes. Again, what I would counsel and do counsel is to teach the young people how to walk in the Spirit. Yes, sir. How to live out of the Spirit, to live out of what Christ has already done, to enter his rest, and in that we will be fruitful, and our fruit will remain. And whether it's one generation or two or ten years or thirty years, Um, I've been in the Lord around as long as you have, so, you know, I remember the late great planet Earth, and I remember, um, you know, 1982, 83, the world is collapsing, and it was around churches that were building uh, food tourists, and people that were buying up 20 years worth of food, because God was coming back, the end of the world was going to happen in the 80s. Yes, sir. And uh, then, uh, eighty-eight reasons why Jesus is uh, is coming, and and what did he write a little bit later? Eighty-eight reasons why Jesus was late for in eighty-eight.
0: Now I don't blame any of these people. (laughs) Um, I don't
1: think he was late. I think he's he's in perfect time, and he's also in us, and we are to manifest him to the world around us. And you know, so Lord, I do. I want to enter that rest. Yes, where I am no longer leaning on any of my own works, my own thoughts, my own doings, my own past but Lord we are trusting literally on his finished work in everything we do and if we could do that all provision will be there for us everything he has called for us to do he's already provided and in 24 we'll see even more it's expanding. His his revelation is expanding within us. So that's good stuff, Shannon. Good stuff.
0: And you know, um, just to type a loose in here, with that you're talking about tonight, you know, we need to believe the word. We don't need to operate in doubt and unbelief anymore. We don't need to live in fear those two things can cause us from missing out on entering the promised land even today being fearful and operating unbelief and let a double minded man uh, not think that when he prays he's going to receive what he asked for because he's unstable in all his ways now we need to believe the Lord we don't need to operate in fear the fear of man bringeth a snare but those who trust in God shall be safe that delivered me from a spirit of fear and it's undeniable we're in the end times But the date of the hour, we don't know. And there's some people just living for the return of the Lord, but they're not bearing any fruit here. They're not winning any souls. They're not engaging the enemy. They're sitting on the sidelines Mm -hmm. and trying to remain safe. We need to go all in against the enemy, even be willing to lay our necks down. Now, if we get to that Mm -hmm. point, that's a problem for the enemy. Because if we're not afraid to die, what can he do but kill us? And nothing can touch us unless God allows it if we're not walking in willful sin in disobedience to the Lord. So I think it's time to engage and say, hey, live or die I'm going to serve the Lord. And for the, the remainder of the time that I'm here I'm going to keep operating under the last instruction that I received which is go in the world and preach the gospel and there will be signs that fall them that believe. Stand with Israel. Amen.
1: Feed and the widows, of the orphans mask.
0: and those in disaster. Be a blessing to others. Because we're all going to die. Even if you're alive at the last trump, you're still going to have to physically die to take on that new glorified body. Nobody's getting out here alive, not even the two prophets. And I have an inkling who it is. It's probably uh, Elijah and Enoch. They never died that we know of. They were just translated. So even those two got to die, I figure. Mm -hmm. So probably they're coming back, and they're going to die too because that's one curse we're not going to break. It's a point on a man once to die, and then the judgment. Now, that's it's not a salvation doctrine, but if I had to bet in Las Vegas right now, I would say, I'm putting it on Enoch and Elijah. There we yeah. are. Moses died. Amen. So, there we are. Well, good. Appreciate it's my micro sermon tonight. Uh, so Amen. this is an encouraging word you brought, in as we're closing tonight, please give out your contact information. How do people reach you okay. and your ministries?
1: And we should call this tonight, Entering His Rest okay, perfect Entering the rest. and uh, thank you and then we do have broadcasts during the week and we have uh, a study, Bible studies you can all be a part of uh, we do some of it uh, by phone, you call in by phone um, and in order to do that you just need to contact me, give me your email uh, you can reach me at roncohen47 at aol.com r-o-n-c-o-h-e-n 47 at aol.com my phone number is 302-559-1766, 302-559-1766, so thank you. Yes, you're welcome to join with us, you're welcome to help us feed the children in Haiti and in Rwanda and then our group in Pakistan up and coming that we're going to see what God's going to do there we also broadcast into Germany on Monday afternoon you're welcome to be a part of that so again uh, you can reach me at roncohen47 at aol.com my website is roncohen.org r-o-n-c-o-h-e-n dot o-r-g dot org so, thank you. If you want to help our ministry, and don't forget Shannon's ministry, Omega Man, but you can help us through PayPal or through Zelle or uh, what else, Cash App, all through my email, RonCohen47. So, thank you, Shannon. I think next week we're at 8 p.m.
0: Let's see. Uh, let me pull up the schedule very quickly. Um, yep. Okay, so next week we are at 8 p.m. Eastern. That is correct. And I will see you then. We love you both.
1: Thank you, Shannon. You enjoy your night. Shalom, shalom. shalom.
0: Sister Miriam. Thank you for coming on. Great message. God bless you all. Amen. So let me just be very clear, folks. I'm not saying we are not prepared to meet Jesus at all times. No, that's top priority. If you die right now, tonight, would you be ready to meet Jesus? That's first order business. And if you're not ready to meet Jesus, you can be. All who call the name of the Lord Jesus Christ shall be saved. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in our heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, it says we shall be saved. That's Romans 10, I believe. First John nine. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believeth on Jesus should not perish but have everlasting life. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him the world may be saved. That's the grace and mercy of God, a space and time before we die, that we can come to the Lord Jesus, confess, renounce, repent of our sins, invite him in to be our Lord and Savior, and we can follow him. Don't wait till your deathbed though, because then there's not be much fruit you're going to have to give to the Lord. However, that being said, if you're ready to meet the Lord or you're willing to come back to the Lord if you backslid as I did at times in my life thank God for His mercy and grace or I would have been screwed. But I don't take that for granted. But that being said, we need, to get, we need to get out of this mindset that all is lost. It's very dangerous to tune in too much to prophetic in-time radio programs if you see a trend where that's all that they're talking about destruction, disaster, calamity and you feel fearful when you get off that program and you're motivated to spend a lot of money on end time preps I've been there and done that that's not helping Jesus out at all now yes I want to be informed but when it's all said and done you still got to make a decision Are you going to serve the Lord with the time you got here or not? I think many people think they're going to get out of here alive. And if you read the word of God, I don't see that too many people escape trouble that's coming. Most believers will be one of two categories. Either they'll endure to the end, lose their head, or they're going to tap out and get offended and Going to hell. Jesus comes back when he says he's coming back, immediately after the tribulation, prior to the wrath of God. And beyond that, we probably have more time than we think. If you've been just tuning into in time radio as I have for years, always thinking this could be the year. Listen, I've been I've had people tell me that since two thousand four. And I don't want to be the other one that says, well, you know, they've been saying it for a long time, Jesus isn't coming back. No, he is coming back. And we need to be ready to meet him whenever we go to meet him. But we also need to realize he's not happy with people that are wasting their time down here. We're not doing him a service trying to save a life. It says, in fact, he that seeks to save his life will lose it. He that will lose his life for my sake shall save it. He commands us to pick up our cross and follow him or we're not worthy of him. Now that's Jesus. Search it out, it's in the Scripture. And when we put our hand to the plow and we look back, we're not fit for the kingdom of God. That's a warning too. God's looking for fruit. There's a parable about those that don't bear any fruit. The fig tree bared no fruit, Jesus cursed it and it died. But there's also the parable where it talks about those that were given talents and did nothing with it. What they had was taken away and given to others. And there's one that did not bear any fruit. And the vine dresser worked with that plant, tried to help it, probably threw some miracle grow on it, gave it some more water. And it just wouldn't bear any fruit. What did he do? I think he called it evil and he plucked it up and threw it into the fire. We're ordered to bear fruit. We're ordered to report for duty. This is not a voluntary enlistment. We've all been drafted. And when you've been drafted, you can report for duty or you can go AWOL and run to Canada. Hear what I'm saying. And we've been called to continue until we get a change in orders. And the Great Commission has not been rescinded or changed. We're to operate until we die, and we die with our boots on. Lord says, You've done enough. Come on home. Or the Lord comes back. Until then we occupy till he comes. Jesus said, Will I find faith when I return? Will we find his servants? Working when he comes back? Will they have borne fruit? I don't want to be one of those that didn't do anything. It said, But Lord, I was ready. I knew about all the plans of the New World Order. I knew what Klaus Schwab was going to do next. I knew all about COP28. But we didn't win any souls. We didn't feed the poor. We didn't help the widows, the orphans, those in disaster. We didn't stand with Israel we didn't cast out any devils, we didn't pray for the sick we didn't read our Bibles, love one another we're not doing a service to the Lord then we're just taking up air and sunlight it doesn't have to be that way but we've got to get out of this mindset, this fatalist mindset that all is lost and snap out of fear I've had to shake myself saying Lord help me not to be fearful of the end times. And really that verse delivered me. Now I've just got to act on it. I'm getting ready to go mobile as God opens the door and do some things that I may not have done before. So there we are. What are you going to do with the time you get? It may be a lot more time than you think. You may actually never see the return of the Lord, but you may die before that time comes of old age. you might be asked to die as a martyr it's an honor be just like the disciples they got tapped for martyrdom they all died for Christ are we any better it's time to stop knee jerking I've been through this before I can remember this day almost 20 years ago thought it was over then Went into panic buying mode. I didn't do the Lord a bit of good acting like I did. And he had to rebuke me. Some trust in horses and some trust in chariots. But we remember the name of the Yahovah our God. It's no different today. 20 years, that's a quarter of your life. That's nothing to the Lord. And I'm going to do this calculation. Mama Narita actually said something to me that was thought provoking. She said, how long is a minute to the Lord in human time. Now that should be an interesting uh, math problem to solve. Maybe you can solve it. If we know a day to the Lord is a thousand years to men, how much is one minute of God's time in human time? That may give us a new uh, revelation right there. How insignificant time is to God. What if he wants to wait? another 50 years, 100 years you and I will probably be dead waiting on the return of the Lord and didn't do nothing while we were waiting we didn't occupy, we don't have any fruit we're going to die folks and then it's going to be a mood issue what we're going to do for the Lord it's time to get busy it's time to go back and, and say Lord I'm here for whatever time I'm here what can I do for you use the remainder of my days for your glory and honor Because we're going to get to the remainder of our days sooner than we think and then it's going to be out of time. You and I probably died and it'll be another generation here that have got to pick up where we left off and we may not have finished our tasks that we were given. I can think of a lot of people who've died. Died probably earlier than they thought. They weren't ready to die. And I think a lot of people are going to look back and And be so sad that they wasted the time that they had, which is so precious, and there could have been much more fruit offered to the Lord. And it says they built their houses on hay, wood, and stubble. It's going to be tried by fire; it'll be, it'll go up in smoke. But they'll be saved because they believed in Christ, and you know, have the smell of smoke on them when they get into heaven. You know, I'm going to, I'm going, I'm changing my modus operandi. I will probably die before the Lord returns and my kids will have to live on so I need to do what I can with the remainder of the time I've got to work for the Lord for reward. We're doing this for reward too. Yes you love the Lord but you do it for reward too. Don't say well I just want to get into heaven. Well then you don't believe what Jesus said. He said behold I come quickly with my reward in my hand to give everyone according to their works. If we don't have any works there's not going to be any reward. you will probably be the least in the kingdom of heaven with an attitude like that. That Christ is not con- concerned with work and output. Of course he is. He wants us to bear fruit. One did nothing with their talent, their money. They set on it and gave it back, wrapped in a napkin. They buried it. Another was given five and, and was profitable. Another was given ten, profitable. And them that were trustworthy and bared fruit, God gave more. It's going to be that way in kingdom come. God have mercy. We may have more time than we think. For Christ returns. And you may be dying sooner than you think. Who knows what may come? Again, Mark Biltz is very clear. War's coming. Upheaval in America. Civil war probably coming. I had that in. It's coming at some point in time. So what? All these things must be fulfilled. But it's not happening until God says so, and he works on a different time schedule than you and I. It's not our calendar. January 1, 2024 meant nothing to God. That's human reckoning of time. It's not his schedule. He doesn't change his ways for you and I. He hasn't changed his Shabbat, his Sabbath, his day of rest. It's still Friday night, set to Saturday night, sundown. Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown he hasn't changed his calendar hasn't changed his name hasn't changed we may have lost it for a while but it's been regained I am the same yesterday today and forever I changed not that's, that's part of God's name I was I am I shall be that's my micro sermon tonight we may have more time than we think so let's work Thinking, well, maybe the Lord won't be back in my lifetime. Well, thank the Lord, I got more time. And if He comes back soon, I thought, praise God. But are we living our life doing nothing, just looking for the return of the Lord, or are we saying, Lord, I know You're coming back, and I'm looking for that time? But I got a job to do. You need help. I'm rolling my sleeves up. Yes, I'll work for You to bring in the harvest. Christ ain't coming back this year. There would be billions that would go into hell if he did. The whole world has not been evangelized. There's a lot of work to be done. We might have another 150 years. These are the same conversations going on 2,000 years ago and Paul rebuked people and he said stop being busybodies." If they had fear radio back then he would have said turn off fear radio and get to work. There's people dying out there because there's no one to preach the gospel and cast out their devils. Or pray for them so they don't go out in a premature bounty bag of infirmity. Do I hear an amen out there? And one more thing. You better stand with Israel if you want God to stand with you in these last days. All of Gaza was given to the Jews. It's in the word. Go read it. Gave it all to them. And that's just part of the land deed. There's 12 tribes. God lays out their inheritance in his scripture. And God has it rescinded his covenant with Israel or his promises. He made the promise and God is one that keeps his promise and his word. And while some did not inherit the promise and they died in the desert or went away into captivity, God knew all about it and he had a plan to bring it bring back and he has and the descendants will inherit the earth that he gave them. You better stand with Israel because if you're against Israel having everything that God gave them in his word, God will take it away from you too. Your blessing and you'll get the curse. You don't want the curse. You want the blessing. Stand with Israel. Embrace them. Embrace the Jews. If you don't want to embrace the Jews and you will not be in the New Jerusalem with the Jewish people and the Jewish Messiah. You will not be grafted in. You'll be on the outside with the goats. That's my micro sermon. We're coming back. Stand by.